0: Well, good afternoon, church. I th- I think the last two weeks I said good morning, and I keep getting corrected. It is afternoon. This is third service. This is like the trilogy. The third one's always the best one, right? I want you to always think that, okay? So when you show up at the noon service and you're like, oh, first two services filled up. I got to go to the third one. No, this is the best one. This is the best one, right? You get to go out for ice cream afterwards. All right. So... Kids, just ask your parents. I'm claiming it right now. Okay. (laughs) They're like, we're never coming to this service again. All right. Uh, I totally lost where I was at. Okay. So, not too long ago, I asked you to think of a place you'd want to go on vacation. And I said, I want you to picture that. And um, I want you to, nobody gave me this answer, but nobody said a desert. Okay. Okay. Nobody said, hey, vacation spot, desert, I'm all in, right? Because why? It's lonely. It's picture that thing of being stranded. It's discouraging. It's desperate. It's hopeless, right? That's what that desert life looks like. Nobody wants it. But for some reason during this whole quarantine and pandemic, we have felt isolated. We have felt like we're stranded, like we're alone. And so we sort of feel like we're living in a desert, discouraging time. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make this conscious decision right now to pick a new vacation spot. Okay, I'm going to help you out. You know, It doesn't have to be one of these four. You pick wherever you want to go on vacation. Okay, I want you to picture it right now. Okay, the Smokies are not up there. Sorry, guys. You just got back. We're so glad you're back. We wish you would have taken us with you. Picture it. Where do you want to go on vacation? Where do you want to be? Now, while you're picturing it, I also want you to think this too. You're, you're going to be packing your suitcase. So I want you to think what it is that you're going to pack in your suitcase to go on this trip. Now, if you're like me, you probably overpack. I'm not going to have you confess right now. This isn't confession time to who's the overpackers here. But oftentimes, I go to load up my suitcase, and I'm thinking, well, what if I need this? Or what if I need that? Well, I know it, but what if... And so I overpack, and then I walk up, if, if, if I'm flying somewhere, usually it's driving, but if I'm flying somewhere, I'll walk up to the check in my luggage, and I'm like, please be light, please be light, please be light. Because if it's too heavy, I'll get charged money for that, right? And I don't want that. But I could have easily solved that by what? Packing lighter. But now I overpack. Many of us do that. I want you to think about this. As we said, we're going to thrive through difficult times, Life is a journey. And like packing for vacation, many of us overpack in life. We journey through life, carrying more than we should ever carry. We get these burdens upon us within our hearts and our souls, and we just load stuff into our life, and it's just like heading out somewhere. And to make it worse, not only do we overpack in our lives, we go somewhere we shouldn't be going, to the desert, You talk about a double whammy. One, it's going somewhere we don't want to go. Then we're taking things with us we don't need to take. And so during difficult, discouraging, desert-like times, we said this a few, oh, it's almost been a month now when we first started this series. We said it begins with prayer. we got to start with prayer. So we turn to a man of God who wrote a book in the Bible while he was in prison. His name is Paul. And it's in Philippians where we have been sort of landed there and sort of working through this together. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Church, you know, Being anxious, being alone, being discouraged, being maybe even desperate or drained. It's like we're just trying to survive, right? And we said, no, no, no. God wants us to thrive during this time. Not just survive, but thrive. And so we go back, and I want to remind you what we've learned so far about thriving in difficult times. As I said, it starts with prayer. God is listening. Then we said, rejoice in the Lord always. God is awesome and great. We're going to rejoice in him. Then we said, let your gentleness be evident to all. That means God's fighting for us. I can be being calm and gentle because God's doing all the fighting for me. And then in the next message, we talked about how he is near. God is with us. Therefore, we can listen to Paul when he says, don't be anxious. Why can we? Because God's going to uh, hear our prayers. And he's going to remove our worry. And then finally it was sing and pray a thanksgiving. God deserves a big thank you, right? So that's what we've been covering so far. And, and here's the thing, when you abide in Jesus, when you say, okay, I, I'm going to rest in you, Lord. I'm just going to abide in you. I'm going to into your word, spend time in prayer. I'm going to worship you in song. As you do that, Paul continues in Philippians 4, verse 7, saying, then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When you abide in him, when you do these things, then you experience God's peace. And I want to break that verse down for real quick here because I want you to understand this peace of God, it's like a peace of God. Like if I had a big cake and I'm going to give you a piece of my cake, it's like getting a piece of God because God is peace. And His Spirit is peace, and He gives us His Spirit, so we have that peace in us. And that peace is a a peace that comes from a reconciled relationship. Two people get in an argument, oh, they're not at peace, are they? But when they make things right, there's peace there. There's peace between us and God. That's the peace we're talking about, a peace that comes from Jesus Christ. And this peace that, it says, exceeds or transcends everything we understand. I want you to know there's a word here, and it's called hooper echo, is the Greek word hooper echo, and it's a combination of two words. Hooper is, is something that's beyond measure. It's superior, first rate, first class. Nothing can compare to it. Everybody follow me on that? That's a hooper. Then the echo, the second part, means to hold or possess, to have. So when Paul says that this peace. He says there's, there's nothing like this peace of God that we have. We get to experience it. We hold on to it. We touch it. This is a, a superior peace. Nothing else compares to it. And he goes on to say that it that surpasses or exceeds all understanding. This obviously refers to comprehending it. Thinking about it. Let me try to explain God's peace to you. I can't. You know why? It's unexplainable. (laughs) It's uncomparable. That's what Paul's saying here. He says it's beyond our understanding. You can't explain it. You can't comprehend it. But you can't experience it, is what Paul says. Well, Rex, how does this work? That's a great question. I would like to tell you how it works, but that means I'd have to what? Explain it to you. What did I just tell you? It's unexplainable. It's not not able to comprehend or understand. All I can say is this. You can experience it. And I know this. His peace transcends our understanding. And his peace guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. When I say guard, what comes to your mind? Just first picture. We're going to guard this. What comes to your mind? Now remember, Paul's in prison. He's writing the letter. He's got guards watching him, right? He actually uses a military term here. The word guard is a military term, which means exactly what you're seeing on the screen. A soldier who stands at the doorway and says, you will not enter. You're not getting past me. I'm here to guard this entrance. Nothing can come in or out without talking to me, without my permission. And that's what Paul is saying here. He is saying, The peace of God stands at our hearts and our minds like a military guard and says, no, that will not enter. Fear, no, doubt, discouragement, no, not allowed in here. That's what God's Spirit does. God's superior peace keeps anxiety, worry, and fear, and all other schemes of the devil, which they are, at bay. Will not let them enter. And that's good news. So church, when you read Philippians 4, verse 7, about the peace of God, that's beyond our understanding, but we can experience because the peace of God rests in our hearts and in our minds, and it guards all these other negative things from coming in. That's good news. You've already experienced it, and some of you didn't realize it. You, maybe you're watching the news. And you turn it on, and all you see is a writing in one town and writing in another town. And all of a sudden, you get a little anxious. Like, look what's going on. And all of a sudden, in your heart's like, no, nah, I'm just going to turn it off. You know why you turn it off? Probably because the Holy Spirit was telling you, turn it off. I'm not allowing that in your heart and mind right now. You don't need that. Sometimes we don't realize how God works in our lives. Here's what I want you to do. Paul, Paul talks about peace, but he's like, you know what? I want to show you how I experienced peace. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. We're going to see how Paul experienced God's peace, the peace that he writes about. He's under arrest for his faith. He is now put on a ship and he's going to be taken to Rome. He's going to be put under trial. And he has, in this beginning of Acts 27, he documents uh, the ports, the people in charge, the authorities, the cities they visit, all that. Which is so good because a lot of times we look at the Bible and like, okay, so the Bible is true. Yes. Well, how do we know when we start comparing? It? You pull out history and you will see all these things that he talks about right there. So I love it when you often find that in the Bible. Don't overlook that. Whenever you come to Scripture and you see like a name or a city or something like that, that is excellent in helping document things, right? So here are on their, their ship. They start their journey. They stop at a port. They get out. They give them a little opportunity to stretch the legs, say hi to some friends, load them back up, and then they head back out again to sea. Look at me in verse 4. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. And then in between verses here, it says they changed their ships, and they continued the journey. Verse 7. We had several days of slow sailing. And after great difficulty, we finally neared Snidus. But the wind was against us. So we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salmon. Verse 8. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty. And finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of the sea. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Paul's got this concern. He's like, guys, the the timing of the year, the weather's changing. This is not going to be good. I really think we should just stay here and not move on. I've, I've got some suggestions. But of course, the person he's talking to, the person who has them under chains, goes to the captain. The captain's like, no, I'm the captain, remember? Yep. So they continued on. Look at verse 14. But the weather changed abruptly. And a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and they let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Kata, and with great difficulty, we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. The next day, as gale-force winds continued to batter the ship, The crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day even took some of the ship's gear and they threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Church, it was a horrific storm. Have you ever, maybe you've seen the movie, it's called The Perfect Storm. If you've watched it, you know how it ends up and it's not a good ending, right? And if you haven't watched it, you don't need to watch it because I just told you how it ends. Sorry about that. But in this movie, you've got these strong winds. You've got plummeting temperatures, and you've got downpour of rain, which creates this perfect storm. I don't know about you, but I sort of feel like we're in that right now. We've got a, a pandemic, unemployment, isolation. We've got relationships that are being torn apart. We've got rioting and anger. And it's like this perfect storm has just been brewing across this world. And it's like scary. It's like it's this perfect storm, right? And we pray for an end, just as the sailors were on this ship praying for the end of the storm. We too are praying for an end of the storm. We pray for things to calm down, but church, what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't calm down? Can you still find peace? Can you still find hope? I want to remind you that Jesus told us, he said this, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We might think peace is going to be when there's a vaccination or when there's a cure for the virus or when I get my job back or when people stop writing, then we'll have peace. God's saying the peace I give you, that's not the kind of peace I'm talking about. You want an end to the storm, I can give you peace in the midst of the storm. In Acts 27, Paul's in a storm. Look at all the negative words he uses in this. I'll throw some of them up on the screen. He talks about strong headwinds, winds that just pushed and and battered the ship. Four times he talks about that. Four times he says great difficulty, great difficulty, great difficulty. Weather was dangerous, changed abruptly, talked about that twice. They threw the cargo overboard, they threw the gear overboard, struggled, lost time, terrible storm, raged for many days, blot out the sun and the stars, we lost all hope. Such negativity in this coverage, right? But on the 14th night of the storm, they were ready to give up. And Paul says, wait, I'm going to urge you to not give up. And I believe, church, that's when the angel of the Lord appeared to Paul. Because that's what he said. He said an angel appeared to him. And he experienced that peace. A peace that what? Transcends all understanding. I can't explain it. But an angel of the Lord appeared to me. And he gave me peace. And now I need to share that peace with you. Because you all got that look on your face. Like this is not good. So can I share some peace with you? I can't explain it. But I've experienced it. And I can't help but think that he had a stern look on his face and maybe a little bit of a smile as he talked to them because he was at peace. Look at verse 22. Look what happens. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night an angel of God to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God... In his glorious, in his goodness, I'm sorry, has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Paul begins by dispensing what God just gave him. His angel stands right next to him, and he receives peace from God, and he's like, now it's time for me to give you peace. Take courage, he says. When I say take courage, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? Take courage. What happens? Bravery. Anybody think about being strong, being courageous? Did that come to your mind? That's not what the Greek word means here. Actually, the Greek word means be happy, be of good cheer. It's the same word that's used in James five thirteen when when James wrote, "Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy?" You should sing praises. There's that word, happy. Cheer up. You won't die. Now, the translators translated it, take courage. But what he was saying was, hey, cheer up. It's going to be okay. And you're like, (laughs) 14 days this storm has lasted. 14 days. We don't like it when it rains all day one day. Can you imagine 14 days with, with strong winds and flooding? Oh, it's been a long storm. But he's like, hey, cheer up. Last night, an angel visited me. An angel of the Lord visited me. God is near. God's with us. He's right here. Yeah, it's been a long storm. We've been holding on and holding on. God's going to answer. Have you ever felt that way in the midst of a storm? Stormy times of your life? You pray, God, you're going to answer? God, you're going to answer? If I were to ask right now amongst all of us in this room, how many of you have been praying for something that still hasn't been answered? There might be a couple of us in here. Some of you are like, I remember praying for something it was years before it got answered. I want to tell you something. God, God heard your prayer. He still hears your prayer. I want, I want to show you something. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel has this vision, and an angel of the Lord appears to Daniel and says this. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your requests have been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. This angel appears to Daniel and says, Daniel, you know when you started praying just three weeks ago? God heard right away. That first day when you opened your mouth, God heard your prayer. I've come here Answer your prayer. And I'm sure Daniel in his mind thinking, it's been three weeks. What took you so long? The angel continues in verse 13. He says, But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the king of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. But now I'm here. The angel said to Daniel, You know, Daniel, I was on my way. But you see, there is an opposing force, Satan, and he's got his demons. And they caught up with me. And we've been battling. I've been delayed because I've been fighting for you. Michael showed up. Took my, my position to keep the fight going. And I'm here now. Church, we don't understand what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. There's a spiritual battle that goes on around. We can't see it. Every day, there's a spiritual battle. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He, wants, he doesn't care about you. God who loves you says, I do care. And there's a battle that keeps taking place. So when you have a delay in answer prayer, understand God heard your prayer. But either he's having you wait for a reason or you're waiting because there's a battle going on right now and how that's going to get answered. So you keep praying. God hears your prayer. Heaven has help and it's on its way. That's what Paul is now saying to these men. He says, hey, an angel of the Lord came to whom I belong. I belong to God. I believe. I've placed my faith and I belong to him. And if you have placed your faith, then you belong to him as well. Yeah, parents, you get this. If you ever had to sign those forms for your kids to take responsibility for them? You know, here's a waiver. Got to sign that as a parent. Basically, you're saying, this child belongs to me and I'm taking responsibility for this child and anything that happens to him. right? We sign those waivers. God signed those for us. Yet to all believe who received his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. John 1, 12 tells us. We belong to him. We are his. He will take care of us. That's what Paul's saying. Galatians 4, 7. Now you're no longer a slave, but you're God's own child. And since you're his child, God made you his heir. So God tells tells Paul, listen, you're not going to lose your life. Now this next verse, this was a game changer for me this week. It really was. Look at verse 22. He says, you may lose your life, or you you will not lose your life, but you may lose your ship. Your ship's going down. And why does that speak volumes to me? Because I I realize this. I believe this. God watches over me. My soul will never be lost. But my job, maybe my health, my marriage, my employment, a body part, something, I might lose something that's a part of my life, but I will never lose my position with God. As I'm reading this, I'm sitting there thinking, I may sink, I may struggle for a while, but I will not drown. We may lose something else, but God's not going to let you go. God never promised us a storm-free life, right? He did promise to be with us in the storm. John 16, says, I've told you all this, that you may have what? Peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. I shared this at your father's funeral. We talk about trials and sorrows will come, right? But the peace of God is there. He gives us a peace that transcends our understanding. We don't, we don't get it. In Acts 27, he continues With the story, the ship crashes, all 276 aboard that ship get to shore safely. Not one person dies, just like Paul said, just like God promised. Paul says there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. I can't explain it, but I've experienced it. And you can have it. And Paul says, let me share that experience with you, right? And what does Paul do? He takes that experience and says, I want to share it with all you too. And I pause here because I want you to understand something. I believe this. I believe that God loves me. I really do. I I believe that God loves me. I believe that God uh, wants to give me his peace during stormy times of my life. I believe that. Fully believe that. The question is, do you? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God gives you peace? I believe, but I, I now I need to do something else though with that peace. Even though I believe it and I've experienced it, I'm not done now. I need to do something with that peace. I need to do what Paul did. Paul took it to others. He shared it with others. Paul kept his. Or I'm sorry. He 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 didn't keep his heavenly visit a secret. He shared it with everybody. He didn't keep peace to himself. And I was thinking about this, when it, when it all comes down to it, church, we're all lost. We're all stranded in the desert, so to say, right? Romans 3:23, "For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've, we're all lost at one time. but at some point in time, wandering around, we hear the voice of God, and we receive His grace. He gives us what we do not deserve and we receive his love. We 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 now have hope, right? We now have a we have a map, we have a guide. Now, I, you know, there's a couple kids in here, some younger children. Because of what we've had to do, we've not been able to offer nursery or children's church or anything like that. And the little children come and they got their coloring and their clipboards and parents, thank you so much. I know sometimes parents are like, my kids are just, you know, they're all sorry about my kids. Don't be sorry about your kids. We're glad your kids are here. Never apologize for your kids. If the babies squeak, make a noise, that's okay. I can't tell you how many people in the church are like, I love hearing children. So children, here's your opportunity to help me. And there's only a couple in here, okay? I'm going to put something on the screen. Does anybody know? We'll start with the kids. Does anybody know who this is on the one side? Charlotte, Zoe, do you girls know? Do you know who it is? Did you say Dora? Because I couldn't I can't hear. If you didn't, somebody else in here will usually there's a couple grandparents like that's Dora. (laughs) Watch it all the time with the grandkids, right? Dora the Explorer, right? If you don't know who that is, go to Nickelodeon or maybe don't go to Nickelodeon and watch. But anyway, Dora's always got something in her backpack. It's what's on the object on the right. It's called the map. If you've ever seen this show, it drives you nuts, okay? Because it comes out and goes, I'm the map, i the map, i the map, i the map, I'm the map. And you're like, who came up with that song, right? It's like he sat in his office all day. on the map, right? Dora's always happy. This is just my opinion. Dora's always happy. You know why? She's got the map with her. She can explore, go anywhere. She's never stranded. She's never alone. She's got her backpack with her friends in it, and she knows exactly where to go. She's not stranded. Now, if I wanted to try to tie this into something spiritual, which I don't think I can, I would go to something like John 14:6, and where Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm the way, Right? Jesus says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father, what, except through me." Jesus, I'm the map, I'm the way, right? And we find, as Christians, as Christians, we choose to believe that that Jesus is the way, that He is the one that has helped us through times of being lost. He gives us direction. I don't have to worry because my Savior is my guide. He is my map for life. We give thanks, and our our actions show that. And I was was thinking more and more about this, that as a Christian, I have been given new life. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. I believe that God loves me. I believe that he has given me grace, he has given me love, he has given me peace, right? But I feel like as a Christian, I probably confuse a lot of non-Christians, people who don't know Jesus. Because sometimes maybe my actions don't display what I have. I have hope. I've got peace. I've got love. But does the world know that? So it's confession time. i want to share with you from my journal. God was doing a work on me this week. Um, and I'm going to share some of that with you. I obviously have faith in God. And what I've realized is there's a, not a lot of, there's a lot of people that are not like me. Um, how I treat them, I have to ask myself that question. How do I treat people that are not like me? There are people I disagree with, people who annoy me, people who disgust me. Um, How do I treat them? Do I look at them like people who are stranded in the desert? They're, They're lost and they're thirsty. Or do I make fun of them? I was once lost in that desert, thirsting, and Jesus saved me. Now I've been found. I know the way. I've got the living water. And when I look at other people who are thirsty, how do I treat them? I know that I am now God's vessel. I carry His grace. I carry His peace. I carry His love. He has given that to me, and and He wants me to give it to them. But do I? But do I? Or do I treat others with SD, social distance? No, wait, sinner's distance. (laughs) I look at somebody who's sinning, living differently than me, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, don't get near them. They're a bunch of sinners, right? How do I treat other people? So I had to ask myself, am I acting like the one who's been rescued from the desert? Because if I've been rescued, don't I want to rescue others as well? Give you an example. A telemarketer called me the other day. I'm sure you never get calls from telemarketers, right? So none of you are going to be able to relate to this story, right? I get the same one. It's the one about the warranty on your vehicle. Do you get that one? Every day, every day. Uh, So they call. I typically let them get through and I say, can you please remove my number? And then boom, they hang up. And then the next time it's like press two if you want to have them remove your number. I press two and what? I'm sorry, the number you have pushed doesn't work. It's like, well, you just told me to push two, right? And so the next time they call, I was like, that's it. I've had enough. I'm tired of these daily things. So I waited and waited and somebody came on the phone. And they're like, can I have the make and model of your car? And I said, yes, it's, it's a piece, a piece of junk. And then they hung up before I could finish. True story. I, seriously, Jenny was sitting right there. Did you just say you have a piece of junk? Well, I was hoping to get to the next part where they ask my name. What were you going to say? I was going to say, Ima. My last name is Noid. I'm annoyed. Can you please remove me from your numbers, right? And I was, that's what I, I had it all planned out. I was so clever, right? And, and I had this written out. I was like, I'm, I'm, I've had enough, right? And, and then the next, you know, the next morning, my morning is my time with God and, and where I just really shut everything down, right? Next morning is like, God just flicked my ear. Right? Now, some of us, he takes a baseball bat. Some of us, he gets a wiffle ball bat. Some of us, he kicks. He flicked my ear, right? He's like, are you listening to me? And, and, and I wrote this down. Here's, here's, here's my my conversation as I was journaling. Rex, I rescued you. Did you deserve my gift of love? No, God. Rex, did you earn my love? No, God. What's that called, Rex. It's called grace. Well, what does that mean? I get something I don't deserve. That's right, Rex. I love you. And I rescued you. You didn't earn it or deserve it. I love you. I'm with you now 24-7. And when others look at you, I want them to see me. My grace has been given to you, Rex. Now go give it to others, even those telemarketers. You preach, Rex. Go be the church. You want to be the church, Rex? You want to love others? I send you somebody every day for you to love, and you hang up on them. You don't have to buy anything from what they're selling. You just just ask them, how can I pray for you today? Don't get religious with them. Just show them my love. They may not deserve it, but neither did you, Rex. That's what I wrote in my journal. That's what God was like hitting me. I like, in my ear like, I was humbled. You know, when I look around the world, I have to ask myself, do I see evil or do I see people that are just lost and thirsty? Do I condemn those that are caught up in sin or do I show grace and help them get back on the trail? It's like a river of grace flows from God down onto me and I've been covered in it. And people are thirsty. Who am I to sit there and make fun of them? Just because they're different than me. There's a lot of people off trail right now that are thirsty. Whether, whether they made a foolish choice or whether it's an unfortunate circumstance, they're, 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 they're challenged. They're thirsty. They're lost. And I have to ask myself, and I wrote this down again do I care or do I condemn? I had to pray, Lord, give me a heart of compassion for the lost. They're thirsty for living water. And and some people are drinking from stagnant puddles, and you've given me the living water. We have the peace of God in stormy times, church. This is like a perfect storm, right? And we've been given his grace, we've been given his love, and we've been given a peace that transcends all our understanding. And now he's like saying, I've given it to you. What are you going to do with it? You're my vessel. You're carrying it. Are you ready to dispense it to somebody else? There you go. My personal confession time to you, church. That's what God was dealing with me this past week. As I'm studying this piece, I came across a study. Three things that people want to hear. This is worldwide, or I mean across the United States. This is what they said. The three things that people want to hear most, in order, right here. I love you. I forgive you. Supper's ready. Isn't that awesome? I was like blown away by this. I was like, I kept rereading it. It's like, really? This was the study that was taken? This wasn't a Christian study. This was just thrown out there to anybody that wants to answer it. And those were the top three answers. But isn't it so faith-like? How do I get that? I love you, John three sixteen. for God so loves the world, right? I forgive you. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Supper's ready. Matthew 11, 28 to 30, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Sounds pretty biblical to me, even though it wasn't meant to be. See, God shows us his grace. He loves us, he forgives us and he wants us to rest with him, Right? And then he says, "You need to take that to everybody else now. The world is going to know us by what? How will the world know that we're Christians? By what? Our Christian T-shirts, our bumper stickers, our slogans, our big churches." Jesus said, "All people will know that you're disciples by your love for one another. See what God gave us: His love." That's how people recognize what we believe, by how we love one another. The greatest commandment ever given is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, right? 1 John three twenty three says, and this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just like he commanded us. So you see, when I joke about Democrats or Republicans or somebody who's gay or gender confused or an opponent in athletics, am I really showing God's love? Nope. Jesus prayed for those who persecute us. Love our enemies. Love others. Let alone those we don't like. That's not easy, right? But showing grace to others isn't easy, is it? But God gives us his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his peace, so we can do the same. Now remember I asked you about packing your suitcase to go on your journey. So here's the thing. Let's go back to that as we wrap this up. You're going on vacation. Where did you choose? Okay. You got that in mind? Now see, here's the deal. Here's what happens to me. I get there on vacation. I have a great week and I don't want to leave. Don't want to come back, right? It's like, I loved everything about this trip. If I could just take things back from this trip back home, it'd be so much better. If I could... Pack a mountain or the beach or things back in my suitcase, right? Just bring it home so we buy souvenirs. but even then, because I pack my suitcases so full, I have no room for souvenirs right so i I open up my suitcase and I look what I packed. I pack socks that's good, you know I've got shirts, but then I why did I pack an accordion? I have no idea. What Salt and pepper grinder set. Absolutely not needed, but pretty cool looking, right? An Ohio State helmet? I'm from Indiana. That makes no sense at all, right? I packed things in my, my suitcase. It was so full, I didn't have room for the things I wanted to bring home. You follow me on this? Let's wrap this up. Sometimes our suitcase is like our life. We got things packed in our lives so full, we don't have room for what God wants us to bring home. I, I've, I've got things that I probably listen to and watch that are not good for me. I've got false idols that I chase after that are not good for me. I've got things that I think, oh, I, I need to have that, and I don't. I've packed maybe unforgiveness in my suitcase. I mean, in my life, I pack all these things that I don't need and then I carry it around with me and then when I, God gives me his grace and love and peace, I really want to take that home with me and share it with others. But because I had no room because I had all this other junk in there, I didn't have what I really needed to bring back home to share with others. So this week, I had to do some unpacking. Dave, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Come forward. This week I had to unpack unforgiveness because somebody in my life did something and I looked at them and I was just like, I can't believe they did that. And I harbored unforgiveness in my life. And then I look at the world with all the rioting going on right now and you know what I've packed in here? A little bit of hopelessness. A little uneasiness and unrest and it's like, And it was like confession time. It's like, God, get this out of my life. Forgive me for these things. Because I want more of you, less of me. And right now, church, you know, I'm thinking about all the rioting and the unrest. We need God's peace more than ever, don't we? We really need God's peace, a peace that we we can't explain, but we've experienced it. Church, I know you've experienced God's peace. Now, the question is, what are we going to do with that? Here's something you didn't see on TV. probably didn't know this. Maybe some of you did. But there's actually large, large groups of people that are going into these cities, cleaning up, sweeping up the broken glass, trying to get all the graffiti off the walls, spraying down the mess. probably didn't know that, did you? Because it wasn't reported in the news like it should have been. See, there's good news out there. We're just not hearing it. We've got good news. The world needs to hear it. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today. Experience. Experience this peace that transcends all understanding. That guards your heart and mind. Take that peace. Take that love. Take the grace of God. Go share it with somebody, would you? Would not you stand, please? We have good news, don't we? We have such good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. Thank you, Lord for who you are and what you've given us. I thank you, Lord, for this day that we can come here to worship you and to open up your word. I thank you for truth. God, I know in my life, I had to do a lot of unpacking this week. I thought I was doing really good. But then I discovered even in my own life, there's there's things that I can always deal with. And I need to make room for your peace. God, thank you that you reminded me this week that you love this world. Who am I to make fun of it? A world that you love. Help me, Lord, to dispense more grace and love and peace. Help me not to hoard it. Help me to share it. God, I thank you for this church. What I pray as we sing this last song, that if we need to continue this conversation with you, maybe confessing something or just thanking you for something, let that conversation continue. God, we want to sing to you and thank you again for who you are. In the name we pray. Amen.